record these on Facebook and uh, we do an audio recording so I think you look under podcast on our website if if you want to listen to a session that you missed so uh, be turning to the book of 2 Corinthians <clears throat> and we are in chapter 2 we kind of finished up chapter 1 but if you look at chapter 1 and verse 23, uh, who wants to read that for? Do you want to read up here? Uh, Jaime, do you have Second Corinthians 1, 23 All right. and 24? No. <laughs> I got it. He's got it. 1, and 24? Yeah. Moreover, I call God for a record of my soul that to spare you, I come not as yet unto Corinth. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, with our helpers are your joy. For by faith you stand. And read the first verse of the next chapter. But I determined this with myself that I will not come again to you in heaven, heaviness. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so he he uh, in chapter one he wanted to spare that. He the reason he didn't come to Corinth this second time was he spared them, and he, it says in chapter two verse one that he didn't want to come to them in heaviness. So he wanted them to work. Th- it's hard, uh, you know, as a parent, I'm trying to think of a good example with our children, but you want to kind of reach in there and fix something for them, and, and you realize that they've kind of got to live with it, they've got to grow through it, they've got to handle it on their own. And so uh, this verse 1, I think, expresses some wisdom of Paul. Uh, he... he he didn't want to come to them in heaviness like you know why don't you get this right he just he had to kind of withhold himself and and stay back and not come just so they could work through it so just like if a child goes to touch the hot stove and you tell them to do it again you just got to let them get burned (laughs) then the next time they it's usually a curling iron (laughs) yeah so I gave you a blank there it just takes some wisdom to see fault in others and not bring it out And um, one thing that's kind of cool happened in my life and I've told this story before Just uh, I tried to witness to my boss a little bit uh, this has been 10 or 15 maybe 20 years ago now and uh he was going through a divorce and he he accepted Christ. He, he was listening to Charles Stanley on the radio and he's going through a divorce and he goes home and he walks behind his house and he sits on a rock and he prays to God to save him. And my boss got saved in his backyard going through a divorce. And uh, my boss was uh, very athletic and, and he still is athletic. Uh, he always played sports very competitive uh, and uh, at our at our company we actually have a basketball court a tennis court we used to have a softball fields but they they put a parking lot in there but anyway so a bunch of people would go out and play basketball at noontime and so my boss has been saved for a month or two and uh, he goes out and plays basketball every day at noon and they play basketball for an hour and then he he takes a shower and eats a sandwich well an hour and a half goes by and he only gets an hour for lunch and so a lot of the co-workers are they're dogging him it's like you know hey you know we're on the clock here and you're in the shower and you're eating lunch and you're supposed to be working and and he didn't know that they were saying that, but I knew it. And so I just started praying for my boss, like praying for the Holy Spirit to convict him that he needs to be faithful to our company, you know. And and so it was a little bit like this, uh, I feel like. And uh, But, you know, 
uh, my boss became that was before he was my boss he, he soon became my boss he was one of the best workers I mean I think the Holy Spirit just convicted him of his need to do right you know and it was hard for me not to go and tell him to say hey all the guys are saying you're lazy you're you know you're not working and so it was hard for me not to do that but and uh, anyway that was one of the situations I felt like I handled right and uh, God used him and uh, he became you know just a a good hard worker and uh, anyway so anyway that that's true isn't it it's hard to see uh, other people's fault and maybe not go to them and point it out to them and, and maybe there is a time that you do go to them and, but uh, sometimes it's just you got to wait on the Lord and give God time to work. And I think that's what he was doing with... Uh, <clears throat> Maybe he needed that space. Some people are just judging him. Yeah, yeah. Want to do a divorce. Yeah, yeah. He was shortly... I mean, he's trying to, you know, work out kid visitation and all that kind of stuff. That's a good point. So, yeah, you, you don't know what other people are going through, so... Uh, the, I gave you this I put Esther example I don't know if you uh, you remember the story of Mordecai and Esther and uh, and Haman and, and that whole story uh, I've heard that uh, the Sight and Sound Theater of Branson has a great uh, play on that Esther I, I think it's been running for over a year now and it's their best their best performance. So I think it's been running almost two years. Sarah and I went in the spring. Yeah. And my dad went this summer, so or this fall. But um, anyway, it's kind of cool. Do you remember Esther invites the king and Haman to her house for a banquet? And I feel like, uh, do you know what they did at their first banquet? Are you thinking, Pam? Are you tracking with? It's so cool. She laid the foundation before she could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she she knows that she's got to do something. So she's been fasting for like three days, and and the king sees her, and she's heavy hearted, and he he's like, you know, what can I do for you, Esther? She's like, well, come to my house tomorrow to a banquet. And they get to the banquet, and the king's like, well, why did I come here? And what are you? What's your request? And she said, "Well, come to me tomorrow to a banquet." That was her request. And then at the banquet, the the next day is when she said, "You know, my people are going to be killed, and it's Haman's fault." And anyway, she kind of bought some time. I guess was my point there. I just kind of see some wisdom in that. She, and I've seen that two or three times in Scripture where, uh, you know. They want something done, but they'll they'll say something like, "Come to me tomorrow," and you, you kind of have to give God time to work. So Esther kind of did that. She invited King and Haman to her house, and she didn't know why. She just did it to buy some time. It seems to me like, and then her request was, "Come to another banquet." You know, it was kind of kind of a neat story that if you kind of read into it, some of that. Uh, so verses 2 and 3, uh, Hour, do you want to read uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3? I make you sorry. Who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote the same unto you, lest when I can, I shall have sorrow from them of whom. I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. Yeah. So, uh, so the very people that he was making sorry, um, the, the point I put in my hand, the same people that cause you joy also cause you sorrow. And that that's family, isn't it? It's that that's kind of what he's saying there. You know, if I made you sorry, who is in the maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me. So he's made them sorry, they've made him sorry, but they're the people that bring him joy and hopefully he brings them joy. And I, I guess that is the point. Uh uh I think of family and uh, 
probably all of you could name someone uh, maybe that we used to see at church and you don't see him now. And uh, I really feel like, and I tell people that... Uh, you know, we're family and we work through things. And so some people just kind of have a knee-jerk reaction. Somebody did something they didn't like and they're just gone, right? But if you do stay and work through it, then you'll find joy. And uh, I've seen that happen time and time again, too. Uh, Kevin, what were you thinking? Oh, I was thinking uh, that this time, was, wasn't Paul in prison? Uh, no, he's at, he's at Ephesus right now. This is not one of his prison epistles, but I think four of them are. Uh, uh, somebody was like somebody was sick in here, wasn't they? Uh, that one dude uh, starts with A. Um, not Orniferous, maybe Orniferous. He left. He left somebody sick at Miletus. Anyway, I don't know exactly, but I think it was Aphrodite or something. Is that what? Anyway, what, what were you thinking about it? Oh, that. Uh, so the heaviness was probably because uh, that guy he came from Corinth over to visit Paul. Okay. Got sick, and then uh, there was Paul Titus or Timothy. Paul's got to send him back. Uh, for them to be all right again, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the heaviness that he's talking about, maybe. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, and I I need to work through that a little bit better myself, just the logistics. But yeah, he was there for like a year and a half, and and then he moved on to Ephesus. I think is where he's writing from now. But uh, anyway, he does come again, and and there is some going back and forth with other believers. So you're you're not wrong. Uh, verses four and five, Angie, do you want to read those? For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Yeah, so uh, I, I gave you a, a verse there in your teaching point. Uh, you know, he wrote to them with many tears, and uh, I had a pastor tell me that you know you're passionate about something if you're willing to lose sleep over it. And I think the same could be true with tears. If you've shed tears over something, you're, you're, you care about that situation. And uh, so he, he said he wrote with tears and he didn't want to cause over much sorrow or overcharge. He said, so he thinks that there may be one or more that have caused him some grief, but he didn't want to, you know, uh, burden all everybody about it. So my teaching point here was just uh, the word judgment. And, and this is hard because this is what we're going to talk about the remainder of our time. The word judgment. Uh, Paul had to use some judgment. This is one of the hardest things to do in ministry because you love people and you're concerned about them unto tears. And I gave you uh, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And there's uh, songs about that. There's hymns that are written, uh, you know, bringing in the sheaves. And we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. So, so now let's... Uh, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 5, and th- this is going to lay the foundation for uh, the rest of our time together. 1 Corinthians 5, and I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read these first five verses, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. And this is the offense. So this, this is the church at Corinth, and this is a, a real situation that really did happen in uh, the church at Corinth in chapter 1 verse 5 I'm sorry chapter 5 verse 1 it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you 
And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So there's evidently a younger man in the congregation who is fornicating with his father's wife. And it seems seems like the way it's saying it, it would be his stepmother. Maybe maybe his own mother had passed and the dad remarried. And the son is sleeping uh, with the mom. And it says it's, it's common. Everybody knows it. It's reported commonly. And in verse 2 it says, And ye, the church, are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So Paul is saying that you know you should judge this person and remove them from the church, but instead you're puffed up because you're showing grace or you're you're allowing this to continue. And verse three says, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already. So that's where I that's where I got this judgment. So Paul started this church, he's a missionary, and uh, he he says uh in he he's not there in body, but in he's present in spirit. He is judged already, as although I were present concerning him that hath so so done this deed. In verse four, he says, "In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh." that the Spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so th- this is, uh, you know, it seems pretty harsh. And yet, uh, the goal... <clears throat> uh, let's go to... Well, keep your place here. Look down at verse 9, the same chapter. He says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. And then look at verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. And so he, he's really chastising the church there to separate themselves from uh, this person and really uh, others with these other classifications here. And so evidently they did that. They, they told this young man, you know, we love you, but you can't be coming to church if you're sleeping with this man's wife. <clears throat> and uh, everybody knows it. But, but the goal was not to kick out and punish. So now go back to 2 Corinthians 5 and look at what he says here. Verse 6. Mary, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Sufficient to such man is this, which was inflicted of many. No, that, that's it. So there was some punishment delivered, and that was it, that they delivered that such a one unto Satan. They're like, you know, the devil's going to have to deal with you, young man, because, you know, the Bible says that you shouldn't fornicate. And so it says on my handout, punishment is really taking away privileges and rights, but the purpose is to bring about repentance. That, that's what I had you put in your blank there. So, but isn't that isn't that the truth with your kids? You know, you punish your kids because you you love them, right? And you want them to change their behavior. And so that's the same way it is in in uh, God's family is like son daughter you know we we love you but uh, this can't really continue because uh, the Lord says you know we need to be holy as He is holy we need to be live a life of consecration and separation and uh, I'm trying to think what I was going to say there. 
Um, but, uh, and, and really, this is kind of a last resort, isn't it? Because, uh, let's see, I've got, I've got another handout for you. Let, let me... Uh, you know, Steve, it doesn't say right out, when your sin is forgiven, the consequences of that sin are not forgiven. I mean, you still get the repercussion. You're still going to get it. Mm-hmm. Even though your sin is forgiven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like fruit. You know, you planted that seed, so it's going to come to fruition anyway. If your kids mm-hmm. really need punished. No, honestly, if you just bring it to their attention, they they yeah. not if they get it right. Yeah. Not if they get it right. Yeah. They get it right. They get it right. They get it right. Lot right. lighter unless you punish them. Get it a punishment because they might do it again. Sometimes the fear of a punishment. So, so this is a good point. Uh, You know, uh, God, God has three institutions. I I know most of you know this. Uh, The first is really the family, Uh, and just put me in there, and then the church. You know, uh, God instituted the family with Adam and Eve. And, uh, you know, Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, then he even says in Romans 13, he says, uh, the powers that be are ordained of God. And it says that, you know, they don't wield the sword in vain. And they, they we don't think of the, the government like that, that uh, it says that they are his ministers for good. But... Uh, Think about this. Let's say, you know, we doesn't it behoove a child to obey his parents? I mean, the Bible says that 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 there's a blessing connected with them obeying their parents. It says it, that it may go well with thee. <clears throat> and uh, we we know that families are not perfect because people are not perfect, and uh, nobody had a perfect dad and mom. But it's it's for protection, and the same is true of the church. Is uh, you know God wrote us his, his Bible, He uh, ordained pastors and deacons, and uh, does, wouldn't it benefit all of us if we followed the Word of God? It it's for it go it would go well with us if we followed the Word of God. But we know uh, the church the, the devil's gotten into it as well. And uh, you know, we know that the government's not perfect. It, it's corrupt in many ways. But uh, I still encourage people to, you know, throw themselves at the mercy of the court and just, you know, be honest. And uh, you know, they have what they call the Department of Corrections, right? The DOC, and it it doesn't always, you know, correct. But that is a goal. But so let's let's say little Johnny. Kind of thumbs his nose at mom and dad. You know, they're old fuddy does. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to hang with my friends and we're going to get high and get drunk and chase women. And, uh, well, the church, man, they got all these do's and don'ts and rules and we don't want to do that and we're going to do what we want to do. Well, eventually, you know, the long arm of the law catches them and they, they, they do have to, you know, bow the knee to, you know, they're they're constrained to follow. So, so all these things are for our benefit, and they they are instituted of God. And we do know that the devil has tried to corrupt all of them. Uh, but now think think about this. So let's back up to our text. <clears throat> Does Brian Hedges or any of our pastors come to you personally and say? You know, I, I, I saw you, you watched a program on TV, you shouldn't. Has anybody ever said that to you? No, we're, we're not going to come to you and micromanage your life. So, so what's different about this case in Corinth? 
What? He's serving in the church. He, he's in the church. So he's sitting on the front row and his mom's, his stepmom's, you know, a couple rows back or whatever. And everybody kind of... The thing is, it became public. So that's that's when it got dealt with is when it became public. That's my point. There, you know, pe- people are, are going to be... Pe- There's probably not anybody in here that hasn't sinned this week, right? Well, if if we're, if we're going to kick out everybody that's going to sin this week, then we're not going to ha- have a church, are we? But but it's when it became public and undealt with, and uh, that's what that's when it became to the, the apostles' attention. And uh, I know we had a case um, where. Uh, a man and his wife were in our church, and the man just had a terrible gambling addiction, and he like squandered all their money, and you know, uh, you know, the kids weren't being fed, uh, the house payment was delinquent. Uh, you know, it became a real serious deal, and, and so we had to name this person's name. And uh, but you you go to him. Uh, let, let me hand out my other handout here. Uh, honey, would you help me? And, and let's all, everybody else, be turning to uh, Matthew chapter uh, chapter 18. I think this will add the clarity that we need for uh, our discussion. Like I say, there there's several. Several things in the book of Second Corinthians, but this is a something of of ministry that. Uh, so this is just a little flow chart I made. If you want to look at uh, Matthew chapter eighteen, or I've actually got it printed on on your other handout that you already had at the very bottom of your back page. Thank you. So, uh, Kevin, would, would you read those verses? It's on your handout at the bottom, Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then he'll take one or two more in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican yeah thank you I that, uh, that devour that, that last one the Satan thing oh it's it's trespass against thee yeah some of these things that happen with the church congregation they're not really trespassing against mm-hmm. me or you or they're trespassing against could it be a possibility that maybe this person was a deacon or somebody that was in ministry I mean you know we don't know that that's a good thought it would have to be somebody that was in the public eye yes let's see here Hold on a second. Okay. Uh, right. So l- l- let's look at this chart here and, and let's see. Uh, so let me let me ask you this. In in the top left, there's a there's a little star. Has anybody ever wronged you or trespassed against you in any way? <laughs> okay. So it's it's really not if somebody, it's really when, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, there's a little triangle there. You got an important decision to make, uh, and and. <laughs> And honestly, I've 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 learned this in our in our marriage. You know, it it's way better just to take the wrong and overlook it because you love that person, right? Um, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's funny. Uh, I used to go for. Uh, uh, jog or a walk at, at our old house, and uh, there's a uh, a hill there, kind of above the lake where the Silver Lake in Raymore, and it, it's called Overlook Drive. And as I walked there, I thought it's you know to overlook the lake, but it's like Steve, you need to overlook some things. <laughs> you know, you need to overlook when somebody wrongs you. So. I put a percentage there, about you know, about ninety percent of the things that people wrong you, maybe they cut you off in traffic, maybe they get in line in front of you. You know, people's gonna wrong you and, and maybe you're the type of person you, you feel like you need to honk or you know, tell that person to get in the back of the line or but you know, most of the time we should just uh, overlook it and you know pray for that person. Like Larry was saying, uh, nobody knew that maybe my boss was going through a divorce. Uh, but if maybe ten percent of the time it's a significant thing, and uh, maybe you need to go to that person alone. That that's what um, that's what the, the Bible says there. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And you know, most of the time, if you do that, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. You'll think it's funny. Uh, we used to have weekly me- meetings of our maintenance group, and my boss would always bring donuts. And uh, one of the guys always told me, he says, Steve, don't take two, you can only have one. <laughs> And uh, he would just say that out loud. It, it was just so embarrassing to me. And one day I caught him up in the calibration lab. I'm like, Larry, I've been chubby my whole life. And every time you say something about these donuts, it just it makes me feel bad. Bring back childhood memories. And he, he, he just apologized all over the place. And you know, he's joking and... And he doesn't think I'm fat or whatever he said. But uh, anyway, that was an example of me going to him alone. I caught him alone up in the calibration lab. I'm like, Larry, this hurts my feelings when you bring up something about the donuts every week. <laughs> and uh, So we laugh about that, but usually it's that simple. If it's something that really bothers you, maybe you can go to that person and maybe they don't mean anything by it and and uh you know they're joking around and it's not funny to you right what they said at my work one time uh, my supervisor he said that if he doesn't like something he'll just ask you to come outside and talk to him if you still don't like it they can throw it down <laughs> <laughs> you work it out with your fist <laughs> you let works in a rough place did you know that Jaime does that <laughs> I will be paying attention more <laughs> Yep. One time this lady said something to me. She called me a Terminator or something. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but I said, she said she was a neighbor, so I said, you know. And then I called her and she said, oh, I'm a Jephthah. Uh, and I said, well, the scriptures say, uh, out of the depths of my heart, I'm not so she's and I didn't it, mean her no one else yeah. around is pretty did that resolve it I guess probably and, yeah yeah so there may be an element but hopefully she appreciated that you came to her and so uh, anyway you, you kind of see the if, if that if your brother hears you then you know the reconciliation occurs and uh uh, to this day, I'm in fellowship with my friend Larry, you know. But now, uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but let, let's say that person doesn't hear you, and it says to take witnesses with you. And 
it doesn't get real specific with what Kevin read there that these two are it says to take one or two more witnesses with you and and the goal of that it says it there it's that uh, every word may be established it's like uh, make sure that you're not saying the wrong thing yeah and you know picture it with a um, you know let's just say that uh, you know Mary and Angie are fussing and they go to one another and they can't work it out well they they want uh, me and Kevin to go with them you know we, we might say well well, Mary you said this about Angie and uh, Angie is, is that what you heard and Mary is that what you said and uh Angie's like, well, I thought she said this, and it made me feel this way. And then Mary, so every word gets established. And uh, Mary's like, maybe I did say that. I meant this other, you know. So it's, and usually, and I've been in that situation a time or two where I actually offended somebody. And and, and this brother uh, brought our pastors to, this was at a different church, and uh you know, at the end of it, we we hugged each other and and it was resolved. And so, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm guessing something similar to this happened with this man at Corinth. But evidently, uh, this man at Corinth still wouldn't hear. Like, I'm going to keep sleeping with my stepmom, and what anybody says about it doesn't matter to me. And so they're like, fine, but you can't come to church here, and we're not going to eat with you. And so it's kind of the cold shoulder treatment. You know, we love you, we care about you, you know, your family to us, but the Bible says this. And so... Uh, you know that that's what, at the end of this church. At the end of this chart, uh, they were to tell the church, and you mark that person. You avoid them, uh, and it causes some shame, some loneliness, some time to occur, and hopefully conviction. Uh, like you say, if that person's saved, uh, you know, hopefully they realize you know they're they're sinning against the Lord, not just uh, by other people. And uh, so now we're in Second Corinthians. Go back to Second Corinthians two, and evidently this person is is repentant. And he wants to come back to church, and now Paul tells them you need to forgive this person. So that that is what's going on in Second Corinthians chapter two. And so let's uh, somebody read seven and eight for us. Uh, uh, Emmett, we're back to you, brother. So that contrary wise to God, ready to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps I can also be swallowed up and under my sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. Yeah, so so Paul says there that uh, this any any unforgiveness would cause overmuch sorrow, and uh, so so think about that person. That person uh, hasn't been in fellowship with his friends and his family and his loved ones, and now he's wanting to come back to church, and he's like, you know, you're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And so Paul is saying, you guys need to forgive him. And comfort him, uh, lest perhaps such a one should uh, be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Uh, so they would lose hope. They would maybe think, you know, maybe Christianity's not right. Maybe Jesus Christ is not Lord. Whatever wrongful thinking, whatever bitterness might develop. And uh, I put on your handout at, at the bottom of your front page that over much sorrow, uh, Satan could lead the punished party into apostasy. Uh, you would cause the brother to fall away. Apostasy was what I had you put in your blank. And, you know, the, the church could also suffer if, if they develop a hardness of heart. It would affect their joy. Uh, they might not be effect, effective witnesses. 
So not restoring a repentant brother or sister can uh, wound their spirit. And uh, Proverbs says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? And so, yeah, what are you thinking, Kevin? i give a personal example of this. Sure. So uh, three years ago, I uh, had uh, started living with a woman, in my, or brought a woman in my house cohabitation, and uh, Pastor Brian and the congregation prayed the, the First Corinthians 5, uh, whatever it was, about Satan to devour my flesh until you know I was uncomfortable enough to want to come back and and then uh, so it took a few years because I developed a pride issue over it and I was mad about it and uh, I had ministry I was doing ministry and they took my ministry they took the keys for the church and and I just took it personal but it wasn't personal really because as soon as I got rid of my pride issue I came back and t- talked to Pastor Brian and he welcomed me back with open arms and I, I got rid of the sin issue too, but mm. and I was restored. Amen. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to bring that up, Kevin, but we've got a, a case in point here in in our own midst of uh, a situation that was unhealthy, and it was a relative of of another person in this church, and it was public, and Kevin was involved in ministry and. So uh, anyway, it got dealt with, and we we did welcome Kevin back, and we didn't want to cause him over much sorrow, and you know that that was a hard time, and I I'm pretty sure we we sent you a letter uh, explaining things too. Does that sound familiar? I think so. And so we we did reach out to Kevin. We anyway um, I mean I could shed tears right now because that, that was a hard thing because Kevin is you know really you know fruit of our life issues group and Pat led him to Christ and the Shipley's discipled him and and uh, here, here's a man that was a lot of potential and uh, he was just kind of went by the, the wayside so anyway that was a, a hard thing and uh, so anyway I can teach this class with uh you know, with a, a clear mind, a clear conscience, that we tried to handle that right, and I'm, I'm glad it had a, a good ending, and uh, Kevin's restored, and uh, we can still pray for that uh, lady that's out there. <coughs> I don't know if she's plugged into a church or not, but anyway, uh, the Lord knows. Uh, so at the top, huh? Chapter five in Matthew, we didn't go on down, but it talks about. Forgiveness, seventy times seven. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the point of all this: is forgiveness, Pam. And uh, yeah, but so hopefully it doesn't come to we call it church discipline, and uh, the Bible talks about uh, you know marking and avoiding and uh, you know rejecting. So there's there's other reasons. Uh, given in scripture even some of it's uh, if people walk disorderly and so anyway it's there can be other reasons I, I mentioned the person with a, a gambling issue and um, <clears throat> anyway uh, praise the Lord uh, top, top of your second page on your handout uh, my ministry principle there the MP it is crucial to keep short accounts with God and with a man and uh, love or charity is the key to forgiveness so I put charity in your blank uh, charity is a love that gives I gave you some examples there from scripture that and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins and uh, let him know that he hath he that which converteth the sinner from error the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins uh, I, I like those verses so it, it's best if it can be dealt with before uh, you know it, it comes to uh, church leadership but any any other thoughts here I know uh, Pam I didn't know if you had anything else to say there but if you, yeah 
so verse 9, uh, Pam, if you read verse 9. Yeah. This end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. So uh, it's a matter of obedience, and uh, forgiveness is the proof of obedience. Uh, So the pattern for forgiveness is uh, forgiving... Uh, someone else uh, through through Jesus. That that's what it says there. Uh, or a- actually, verse ten. Uh, Belinda, won't you read verse ten, maybe eleven, for us too, and we'll finish up. Yeah, and look at verse 10 before we look at verse 11. But verse 10, he says he forgave it in the person of Jesus Christ. And look at look at the Ephesians 4.32 because this is the key. It says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And... Uh, I've got another little uh, drawing on the board here. Uh, Think about this for just a minute. It says that God forgave you or me uh, through through Christ. So, so think think about this just a little bit. The way that God forgives you is through Christ, and and and, and that's what it's saying. Uh, I I talked to a lady one time, and she said uh, she was going through a divorce, and she said, "I love God, but I cannot forgive that man." And that's a pretty wild statement. and I get what she means, and it does seem whatever he did was it maybe unforgivable to her. But it says there that we can be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So it says that the way that I can forgive others is through Jesus, isn't it? So now let me ask you this. Is um, do you think that the dis, the thing that God forgave you, the thing the things that God has forgiven you for, is it more or less forgivable than what others have done to you? Have you sinned against God more than others have forgi- sinned against you? Probably. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, if if we were to look at Matthew 18, the one guy uh, owed his Lord 10,000 talents, and the Lord forgave it, and then somebody owed him 100 pence, and he couldn't forgive it. So, the example for Matthew 18 was 10,000 versus 100, and the Lord's forgiven us, so... You know, that lady was probably not accurate when she said, I love God, but I can't forgive that man. Uh, she just hasn't been able to tap into that forgiveness yet. And maybe, maybe she wasn't. But anyway, uh, I, I like that example from, to me that makes sense because I, I know that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and God forgave me, so... Of course, I can forgive others. Is there a verse that actually, I can't remember if it's an actual verse or not, but it says uh, basically that if I can't forgive others, then God can't forgive me. It, it does say something. Yeah, there is a connection. That isn't exactly right. Yeah. 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 So that is the basis for forgiveness. Is That's the verse about iniquity. Um, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, yeah, if I regard iniquity yeah. in my heart, the Lord will not forgive. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what we're not hear me. 
But yeah, you're, you're right, Kevin. So there, there is some withholding of forgiveness uh, that the Lord does. That if we're unwilling to forgive, so so now now let's, the last verse that uh, Belinda read. It says, "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us." And it says, "For we are not ignorant of his devices." And I, I gave you uh, the word "devices" is translated "mind" or "thought." And uh, there's uh, some some references right here in Second Corinthians. It, it's translated that same word. So unforgiveness is one of his devices, and it has to do with our thoughts and our heart. And my uh, my enemy tactic here is Satan tries to take advantage of a church or an individual Christians by hardening their hearts to not forgive one another. And it has to do with uh, dividing and conquer. We, we know the Lord said that you know a house divided against itself cannot stand. So I think I just had you put the word advantage in your blank. And then uh, my teaching point there is devices are the thoughts of the mind that are contrary to God and His Word. So contrary... So once once we let those devices into our hearts and our minds, things that are contrary to the Word of God. And so I gave you several examples there, and uh, I was hoping to read some of those. But anyway, this is kind of a heavy lesson today. And uh, Kevin, thank you for your uh, you know your testimony there. And. Uh, I think we'll hold up there. We'll try to finish this chapter next week. That should be easy enough to do. Uh, there is a couple things there I want to cover, so we won't finish the chapter today. But anyway, this was kind of a, a big. This is a big topic in the book of Second Corinthians, and uh, you know it seems like they they got things right, and uh, they dealt with. So that is. You know, those are marks of maturity, right? Whenever, whenever people do forgive and you do, you know, press on and press forward, everybody grows through those things. And anyway, let's, uh, let's hold up there and Emmett, I'll let you dismiss us today, brother. And Kelly asked for a prayer for her mother-in-law, Kelly Rambarker. Oh. Um, she had neck surgery and took a turn for the worse, and they called in hospice. So Kelly's mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law. So she just asked for us to pray for her. So I don't. I don't know if you know Kelly Rambarker, but just uh, for Kelly's mother-in-law. Maybe just pray for her health. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to study the Word. We pray you that 